0: Nope. Yep. what's up? Hey, <sighs> how, right. how you doing? I'm good. I uh, I've never used this thing. I pulled it open. I was like, oh shit! I hope I don't have to like download some fucking software. Nope, we're good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so the reason why I do this is because like this goes into like 4K. So like it makes everything so much better. So it makes your face nice. look beautiful. <laughs>
0: I didn't shave today. Oh,
1: well. Neither did you. So, whatever. Fuck us. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's not like I'm taking a bunch of supplements to make myself look good. It's fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Every other day. So, it's all good.
1: Oh, how's everything going for you?
0: It's all right. Uh, Overall, things are good. Uh, There's just so many moving parts of shit going on and so many people to rely on. And it's just like if one fucking person drops the ball, everything falls apart and it's never me. I'm the, I'm the only person that never drops the ball. So it's always super frustrating being the leader of this thing and having everybody like, you know, whether it's a label company or a manufacturer or somebody, somebody always does something dumb and I'm like, good. You just cost me another week of sales. Thanks
1: idiot. I was going to say, how do you, how do you deal with that pressure? Like, like, like you know, if like every single time I see you do like a Q and a box, right. It's always like, Question, when's this when's this coming out? When's this coming out? When are you releasing this? It's like how how is it to feel like you're the one in charge and like you have to be kind of responsible for telling people like it's still not here and people want it like right now.
0: Are we recording this? Yes,
1: yeah, we're recording this. <laughs>
0: okay, I just want to make sure I
1: don't say anything dumb. Uh Yeah,
0: uh I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot. The thing is this is that, I mean, that's my job, right? It's mm-hmm. is making sure that the ship continues to be s- steered forward. Uh, it, but at the same time, like the captain of the ship doesn't know how every single component of the ship works. And he's not in charge of every single aspect of, of navigation, every single aspect of rowing and every single aspect of everything else. And so it's the same thing people ask me and I'm like, listen, if I had the answer to this, I would share that. I don't have the answer. If, And, you know, it's not like I'm keeping some secret. Uh, Some of it's just funny. You know, I think, think especially in in today's age with people, this, like, you know, instant gratification thing. You know, it's the Amazon thing. It's the, uh, you know, overnight, everything as fast as possible, downloads as fast as possible on your phone. Uh, You know, when something isn't immediate, people freak out. And they're like, why isn't this happening? I'm like, you know that there are about 50 steps involved in this process, right? And so... It, it's not as simple as just, like, I want it to happen, so it happens. And so I try my best to give people sort of a clear answer as to, like, what the steps are and what the processes look like. But it's extensive. I mean, the amount of moving parts to get a product just ordered and here is immense. And if any one person drops the ball at any point in time or if there's a shipping delay or if anything happens, like, it, it's not like we misplanned it. Uh, for example, for example, so we were... We were out of Calm, our number one selling product, for a while. Yeah. And it, it reflects poorly on me as a, an owner of a company and on us as a business because it's like, you know, why are you guys out of your top selling product? That, that's so irresponsible of you. So we try to, we try to gauge projections, you know, sales projections on a certain length of time, and we gauge that against manufacturing lead times and then we have some sort of overage and we go cool we have this many weeks we should probably order it now we should probably order this many and you know yada 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 our manufacturer didn't tell us for the first like half of that entire duration that somebody in their compliance or somebody in their purchasing department purchased one of the raw materials uh in that formula can be sourced from a few different plants basically and they purchased it from the wrong plant source than what we had on the label even though the active ingredient is the same the final ingredient is the same you know yeah. one is sunflower based one is soy based well we had the sunflower one listed on the label and they accidentally ordered the soy based one and didn't realize it until it was time to like produce the product and we had waited weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and they're like, well, we, you know, legally we can't do that because there could be an allergen issue that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of FDA compliance stuff coming across the industry that they're like hammering down on uh, little stuff like that. Like you can't just swap the same ingredient from a different plant in a formula if you're out of stock. And not that we ever tried to do that anyways, but you know, they're really hammering, hammering this stuff down. And so they had to order that material, but that material was backordered. And so it took like another two months for that material to come in. And we were supposed to have product two months prior to that. It, it had nothing to do with us not making enough product, not gauging appropriately, not budgeting appropriately. It, it's just production issues. And yeah. as much as I, I am still so much of a fan of the fitness industry and bodybuilding and the forward-facing aspect of it all, you know, I love – new products, I love new flavors from other companies, I love competitors, I love new new training videos, I love all this shit, but there's so many things that go on behind the scenes to run a company and to make things, uh, you know, to have things produced, especially on a professional level, on a big level, that it's just, it's mind-boggling, and in terms of the pressure, sometimes I don't handle it all that well, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm human too. Um, thankfully, you know, we've been doing this for a long time and I have a really great team, uh, you know out of all the years that we've had some some turnover of, of employees and things like right now we absolutely have the best crew we've ever had everybody is on their game i don't have to micromanage anybody everybody knows what they're doing uh, everybody's reliable and so for us as a team the only thing that we have to face is challenges outside of the company
1: like labels or like you know raw material supply do you think that was hard do you think that's hard to not micromanage actually like knowing that this is like your yeah. baby, like, was that it was that a difficult transition, especially like, I mean, when, when I came to visit you, like the first time, right, you were still fairly small, I think it was like, maybe like three of you, right, running like the whole thing, basically, it's, <laughs> and, like,
0: it's, still, it's still pretty small. All yeah, things considered. but
1: definitely has expanded a lot more than what it than what it was, even like a few years ago, comparatively. So like, is it difficult to kind of take that role? And actually like disperse all these different tasks that you were doing yourself and be able to trust people under that?
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's always a work in progress, especially for somebody like me who is so hyper detail oriented and has been doing this for such a long time. It's something that I've, I've always struggled with, but I've always known that I need to give this stuff away. And I, and I truly don't want to micromanage it. I want to give it away and trust that it can be done. And so Our staff right now is so good at that, that it allows me to steer the ship because I don't have to worry about all the other shit that's going on most of the time. And we have a really good system in place with regards to like weekly team meetings and how we touch base on projects and how, uh, you know, all the information is presented to me so that I can make decisions. My job primarily, you know, outside of my individual responsibilities with, you know, product creation and that kind of stuff. But my job is, is decision-making and I have a whole team of people that we meet early in the week. We front load the, the first part of the week, heavy with meetings and, uh, brainstorming and task management, all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, they present some information to me and I make decisions and we run with it and it's a really good system.
1: Yeah, definitely. And like, I mean, going into the product creation, like it's been, it's been pretty expansive over the last like year. Right? Like we, like I had you on right when we, uh, last time I ever had you on on the Ace of Spada podcast, we were, we were discussing just like the launch of the rebrand right now. We're like, and now it's yeah. just like, it seems like a million new products have come out or, or a million different flavors. Like how exciting is it to kind of delve into fields that you've always wanted to get into that now you kind of have like those funds to be able to do it. Like you got like bliss. Right. And you also got like your party and I know that's something that like you've probably always wanted to have, and you kind of just been waiting for the right time.
0: As soon as you said that, like, Party's the one that I've had on my radar for a number of years. Uh, I actually formulated sort of an early edition of that product, like, probably like five years ago, and just to see if it could be done. You know, just, and, and well, I'll say this. I formulated a sort of a hybrid between Party and Bliss at the time is kind of how I was envisioning it. and. On paper, I thought it all looked good, and I wasn't even sure if it could be made and have the effects that it that I wanted it to have, but I had to try. And so we had samples made, and I'm the guy that as soon as samples arrive, I try them. It doesn't matter <laughs> what day it is, what time of day it is. It doesn't matter if I've already drank a pre-workout, eaten a meal. It, it, I will try them. I cannot wait. And so these these pills came in, and Dieter and I were getting ready to, to – uh, We were getting ready to fly somewhere the next morning for like a week for, for a vacation or something. So we hadn't even packed yet. And these things came in. I go, sweet, let's take them. And we took them. And for the first half an hour, we felt pretty good. And then we started to feel pretty bad. Uh, And then uh, at about the hour mark, both of us started to projectile vomit uh, very aggressively for a couple hours. (laughs) And it derailed a lot of our, our packing and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I'm, I'm. I'm a curious boy and I like, uh, I like tinkering with stuff and I like trying combinations of things. And yeah, that was just a, one of the things that didn't work, but finally being able to be in a place to, to launch these and seeing such a good reception, you know, the reception, especially for those two right now have been huge. Cause I'm like, these things don't really exist in the fitness space. Really. And so I'm curious to see how well they do. The reception has been very good. We've already reordered, you know, second batches of these things uh, pretty quickly, which is always a good sign. You know, if something doesn't sit on the shelf for six months and it moves quick, like that's a really good sign that people are loving it. Um, One thing that we did during a lot of the rebrand was really take a look at. You know, the the business metrics, uh, you know, the the cost of goods, the margins, the sales metrics, the, you know, how long something is sitting on a shelf, things that I was largely ignoring as I, as we were exploding over a number of years, it was really easy for me to ignore all that kind of stuff. And then when we were finally rebranding and taking a look back at where our funds should be allocated, it's like, well, shit, that flavor of that protein sat on a shelf for nine months. And then during the rebrand process, all the manufacturers, because of raw material supply issues and, and inflation and all the, you know, the economic issues we've all been facing, most of them basically double their minimum order quantity. So instead of ordering, for example, let's say 500 units of every flavor of protein, now I had to buy 1,000. Well, if this one already took nine months to sell, 1,000 of them are going to take
1: <laughs> a,
0: a year and a half. And there's a two-year stamp of you know, expiration on there. We can't release that flavor that was not a good business decision to even launch it in the first place but i had no idea and really pouring into the data and looking at how to run a business how to be profitable so that we can continue to create products like party and bliss and things that you know i feel are going to make a bigger impact uh, was really important but it's something that as we are growing and as we continue to grow we're always going to learn more about what we should have done the step behind us
1: So what did you learn? So what did you learn the most during like the first part of the rebrand? Like as everything, (laughs) like looking back on it. Data. Yeah.
0: Data analysis. Yeah. I mean, we we always ran reports and we always kind of knew-ish what was going on, but really as a business owner, not a hobbyist, not somebody that's doing this on the side, but as somebody who is paying bills and giving people a salary, really pouring through the data and making non emotional or non ego driven decisions, you know, and and I was on this, this thing there as we were growing as a company and, and this whole like anti-marketing thing that we were doing in the past, you know, it was, if I can create more products, more flavors to hit more people, you know, that want these things, we're going to grow. And that worked incredibly well, but that only works to a point because you only have so many people because you can only get so many people that can get to this point that, uh, you know they they're not gonna buy ten products. So at some point, you have to find new people, and those are marketing tactics that's not necessarily coming out with an eleventh flavor of a protein that ultimately nobody's gonna find or nobody's gonna buy. So yeah. uh, really pouring in the data is something I wish that as as a leader, as a boss, I wish we would have done a lot more from the beginning of everything. Uh, but you know, you live and learn. I, I could have never known that I should have done it until I realized that we needed to do it. So. Well,
1: that's a part of, that's a part of growing, right? Like as a human and as like a business is like, you're going to delve into those areas where, Hey, where can we be more efficient and do those things differently? Like it happens with anyone. Like, even if we look in like the coaching industry, right? Like as myself, okay. I look at my Google sheets about two years ago, cause I have those tabs and I'm like, man. This is a pretty piss poor. Like the way I was running, the way I was running athletes was really, really bad. Now I have, now I like, as I've gone through, I've updated my systems, updated my systems, updated my systems. Yeah, to be able I think to that's like-
0: hugely important, hugely important for business owners to worry about the small stuff and the boring shit and the business shit and the systems and the money and the taxes and all the shit that nobody ever wants to do. I, I, I would double down on that shit more than it, more than, anybody realizes because one, when you're smaller, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like you drop a penny, who cares? You drop a dollar, it starts to matter. You drop a hundred dollar bill. It starts to matter a lot more. As you get bigger and bigger, those mistakes cost a lot more money.
1: Yeah. And And ultimately
0: harm the growth of the company. They harm the mission of what we're trying to accomplish. They cause a lot more stress. They cause a lot more
1: inefficiency
0: with the staff and then we're not maximizing their skills. It's just a cascade of, of, you know, bad shit that happens all because we weren't prepared on the back end.
1: What's been uh what's been your favorite product to kind of redo because you've done like even since the rebrand you've done multiple iterations of products and it's yes. just like and you're like continually formulating different things now now I got to ask why do you why do you keep doing that is that due to the price of the goods there and it's just like that's what we have to do or are you just like fuck this I'm going to I'm just going to continue trying to level this up and see what I can fucking uh, make
0: kind of a little bit of both to be honest with you so you know especially when you're looking at uh the industry as a whole people get bored and as you know i've been in this industry for over 20 years and i i see how how much variety people have access to now compared to you know when i was 20 years old you know getting the game everybody bought the same protein powder from the same companies you know and you, you had chocolate vanilla strawberry you know maybe an oddball fourth flavor here and there that's not the case anymore and so people get bored and because people get bored and because people like trying new shit and i'm I'm the same thing, I'm a fan of the industry and I like trying new shit. If we don't continually update things, people will go elsewhere to get that fix, that newness, you know, mm-hmm. uh, even if something is great, it's the greatest thing ever, curiosity will always win. And that's something that we learned over the course of time where it's like, when we didn't change enough, release new stuff, uh, you know, stay on top of some industry trends to a certain degree, we noticed that things started to drop off because consumer spending habits changed. As much as it, it, from a, a purist standpoint, I can say, well, that's the wrong reason to buy something. Those people aren't our customers. And that sounds really good. And that sounded really good five years ago and I used to say that kind of shit. And it, and it worked because we were only pandering, so to speak, to a, you know, a certain you know, sect of people. But as we've grown, that that model cannot exist like that, and so we've had to sort of adapt. And also, I you know I want to try new stuff. I want to come out with new flavors. I want to throw a new ingredient in there or tweak the ratios around a little bit. I also get bored, uh, so that's a big part of it. And also, the the efficiency of what we're doing. You know, as as raw material supply uh, and prices change across the board, and, and industry trends change, looking at like okay, if we have a product that costs X amount of dollars to make. And one of the ingredients in there that was super popular three years ago, nobody uses anymore for whatever reason. And that all of a sudden that ingredient costs six bucks by itself to stick in that product. Well, it makes no sense to keep it in there. Nobody's looking for it and it's by far the most expensive thing in this product. I could probably take it out and either make a little bit more money and no, and the formula won't be harmed by it or reduce the cost a little bit. And that way more consumers can buy it. And so that's kind of the the mark that we're on now is during the rebrand, we bumped everything up post COVID thinking that the economy would continue to, you know, increase and it did the exact opposite and spending habits really changed. And so we, it really forced us to take a look at what people wanted to spend their money on and what was justifiable and saying, okay, what, what can we cut here that, has diminishing returns. You know, if there's an ingredient that costs six bucks to put in a product, but nobody cares and it's marginally effective at, uh, in the grand scheme of the whole product, then like that's a bad decision to put that in. I could put three new ingredients in there that only raise the price two bucks. We can sell it for a little less. We can make a little more. People like those ingredients. Everybody wins, you know, and so. Yep you know, morpho and gen means create change. And, and by definition of our company name, it's about change. It's about evolution and adapting to what's in front of us. And so that's been, especially post rebrand, you know, people are like, you just did the rebrand a year and a half ago. Now you're still changing your shit. I'm like, I might always change my shit because of those reasons. Yeah. It doesn't mean we're rebranding it. The rebranding a lot was the, again, the forward facing, the, the aesthetic, the labels, the, you know, the, the message, so, some of the price points and things, but, Updating formulas is something that I've always done. I just up until recently, never made a big stink about it. You know? Yeah. Now we, now we make some videos and people, oh, you changed it. But like, I never, every company changes their products all the time. And nobody says a word unless there's a marketing aspect behind it. Hey, we put this ingredient in here being, you know, marketing thing. Companies are changing their shit constantly.
1: Yeah. I think it's also that fact that like, for you, I think you're finally starting to like you're putting yourself out there more too, like on social media and everything. So people are like, they finally start to see more of you. And I think if people actually met you in person, they'd be like, Oh, this makes sense as to why he's consistently changing things or why he's doing like, cause it's like, it's very different yeah. seeing you in person, right? Compared to like being able to understand who you are. Um, and I kind of wanted to dive into that, like curiosity factor. Um, because I think a lot of people, you know, you say a lot of people are curious. But I feel like a lot of people are curious in the wrong sense in nowadays. Like they're not curious within themselves, right, enough. And I think that's why people like stop growing if you want to go to, and I kind of want to go down this path is like, Uh,
0: Oh yeah, let's do it.
1: How did you use like curiosity in yourself over the last few years to really kind of grow you um, and dive into like finding more about you and things you did and everything. And we're no holds barred here. So you could share whatever you want on this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for me, it, it, it kind of stems back to
0: how I've operated my entire life. And I kind of always, I don't want to say ran away from it, but I didn't fully embrace it. And but what I mean by that is, you know, growing up, I always kind of felt that I was a little bit different. And I, and I caused a lot of problems. I wasn't a, like, a troublesome kid, but I was definitely uh, an intellectual kid. And I was not able to mold myself to become like certain groups of kids. I wasn't able to just ignore conflict. I was always direct, you know, with my parents or with peers or anybody. I'm like, let's sit down and talk about why this is happening so we can prevent these, you know, these habits from continuing on. Like, 10-year-olds don't talk to their parents like that, but that's the kid that I was. And for a long, long time, I felt like I was a burden to everybody around me. And they're like, can't you just be like everybody else? Can't you just do what everybody else is doing? And I'm like, every time I've tried, it feels like I'm living somebody else's life. And it, 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 it's, it gives me this tremendous anxiety. But then every time that I was super you know, aligned with who I am as a person, I always felt alone and depressed. And so it was like this, this going back and forth and coming to terms with like, I can be who I am. And eventually, the right people, the right industry, the right markets, the right lifestyle, all these right things will eventually find their way into my path. But I'll never find that if I deviate from my own path. And so it took me a lot of years to uh, honestly stop apologizing for being who I am uh, to people, which I used to do all the time. I remember uh, two years ago, I was at a a bachelor party with one of my best friends, and we were having a conversation like this, and, and I was just like pouring out to him about some stuff that was bothering me and how I felt like I was harming people around me, you know, and I was too much. I'm too much. I'm a burden and all this stuff. Like, I'm sorry that I think too deeply and I'm sorry that I love too much. And I'm sorry that I hold people accountable and I'm sorry that this, and he goes, are you actually sorry? I said, what do you mean? He goes, you say that a lot. Do you know that You, you apologize for the way that you think and the way that you are a lot to people? Are you actually sorry? And I said, fuck no, I'm not sorry. This is who I am. And he goes, do you like that? I said, I think I'm great. And I think that if, you know, despite all my flaws, that some of these things that I'm so steadfast in, in you know, maintaining as part of my life uh, ultimately are a good thing. And they ultimately have helped not just me, but people and community and things. And he goes, then quit apologizing for being who you are. And it was moments like that, that uh, really, you know, I've always been a very n- no bullshit, asshole sort of guy that, you know, doesn't give a fuck what other people think, because I really don't. But I also was the guy that was sort of stifling my own development, my own progress a little bit. I always felt like I had to operate at like 80% of who I am. And as I've gotten older, maybe it's the, you know, the cynical old man in me. Maybe <laughs> it's the dad thing. I, you know, who knows? Maybe it's the, the fucking LSD or the mushrooms that I've done. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, at some point, I basically was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to do things my way that makes sense to me. And I'm going to try to explain things to people. And if somebody doesn't get it, then I don't give a fuck. And you know what, in the last few years, my life has gotten exponentially better across all metrics, my marriage, my, my relationship with my children, my career, my friend group, like everything, because I stopped apologizing for who I am and started to just live this 100% authentic existence. And. A lot of who that that piece of who I am has been very transparent publicly, you know, the people that have met me, the people that yep. have seen my podcast things. But for me personally, I've embraced even more of that that other people haven't even seen. And, and yes, it's ruffled feathers and it's pushed some boundaries. But, you know, I, I feel a
1: lot better about it. Yeah, because this is something that I'm going through like right now. Something, something about Ohio, Ohio, Ohio water. I think <laughs> it's, in, it's in that one.
0: Well, you're you're up north where it's all fucking gray and gloomy and shit. Like that's,
1: that's, <laughs> well, on the, of that's course course, all of a sudden it just turns gray and gloomy outside. Like it's about to pour. I'm like, oh, this is gray. I was like, funny. I'm like,
0: we <laughs> drive back. We get about halfway back in that trip, and it literally gets. Ten degrees colder, and the sky turns gray. Well, I got we're going back to Northeast Ohio. Time to get sad. You like, we'll only be here for a day before I, you know, start hating life. We got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but it's definitely, but it's, but it's been a, it's been a journey, and I've discussed this already on multiple episodes that I've released. Like, it's coming to terms with you can't give a fuck what other people think, and I was, I'm the same way that you were. Um, And I still am because it's tough to kind of come to terms with who you are. I think that's what it is right? with a lot of people because I find that the issue is most people figure that it's deviating from a path over what other people want it in life. And that's where people start. That's probably why you were apologizing. That's why I would apologize for being too much because it's like. I'm supposed to act this way. Like, I'm supposed to be this way, but I'm I'm not. I'm like, my ADHD brain does not fucking function like that whatsoever. That
0: supposed to this and supposed to this. And every time somebody would tell me that, I'm like, says who? Who made up the fucking rules? None of these things are real. All the shit's made up. If I lived in a different country uh, or 100 years ago or was, a, you know, a woman instead of a man, like, the rules, life would be completely different. And all the rules are different. Things that are... Totally taboo now or super common 500 years ago and vice versa. It's like all of it's bullshit. And when you realize that all of it's bullshit and none of it matters, then you get to make your own decisions. And, it, you know, barring any disastrous consequence of those decisions, you know, I'm not going to make a decision that ruins my life. I'm not going to make a decision that puts me in prison for the rest of my life <laughs> or that results in the death of my family members or, you know, some, you know, or self-harm, any of that kind of shit. I still operate in in some sort of you know, societal construct that I'm, that I live in currently. And I'm bound by those sort of, you know, universal laws. But in terms of like rules of how to engage in things and how to act and how to be like, that's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Yeah. Do whatever the fuck you want. Do whatever the fuck you want. As long as you're not a piece of shit. And if people don't like it, they're not your people. And find your people.
1: I was going to ask them what, what truly matters to you then? Like when you've started to release that and you started to find that, like, a lot of this stuff is bullshit, right? Like, like the one thing is, is like I kind of found and it's been the past like two and a half months I've been with like Mark and crew up here and it's been the big thing, it's just like kind of just letting go of a lot of things and know that you're gonna be, you're gonna be all good. Like in the end, and that's like what life is to truly be honest, like I'm just finding everything around the world. It's just like, well, one day I'm gonna die. It's just like, that's what you kind of come to that conclusion and you just figure that everything else like with, mm, obviously, obviously you need money, right? Because that's like the social contract. Nowadays, you need money yeah, yeah. to survive. But it's just like, a lot of things in the life are just not worth or not worth even worrying about, right? So what do well, so yeah, you like the biggest? so what to you is like yeah. the biggest things that you think people should really be focusing in on when it comes down to life and not just all these social yeah. constructs
0: That's great. Uh, so I mean, I, I talk to people a lot about uh, equity. And, and, you know, and I don't mean like, you know your assets equity i mean like your energy your time your you know the amount of emotion you can give the amount of anger you can tolerate the amount of you know conflict you can handle all, all these sorts of things you only have so much to give and as you travel through life you collect more life you collect more stuff and so your capacity to be a certain way to act a certain way to give a certain amount to certain people to certain situations will decrease that's why you know 70-year-old dudes aren't running around with, you know, groups of 30 as their friends, but 20-year-olds do that, and as you get older, life happens, and you, you know, it's not that you don't like these people, it's that however you have honed your life, you know, finer and finer as you go, some people just kind of don't fit into that as much, and you don't fit into theirs, and that's totally a a normal part of life, that's something that I had to, uh, you know, really dive into over the last couple of years, having some close friendships sort of fizzle out or having some falling outs with people over certain things. And and I'm really bad about letting people go, letting situations go. Whereas like Deidre, she's the ultimate, like, you know, cut the cord, kick it out. I'm like the, let's bring everybody with us forever mindset. Yep. And both of those are wrong. Both of those are not, not the ideal way to do it. So we're a good, like, you know, complementary opposites, uh, you know, effect on each other. But, sort of realizing that that's what's going to happen and honing in on that, I think has been really important for me anyways.
1: How hard has that been to actually like cut people out? Like, cause this is something that I've personally struggled with a lot because I mean, going back to my childhood, right. I I've talked about this also, like I had a huge desire for like validation and I would always like press my boundaries and allow my boundaries to like be cut through. So keep people in my life because I didn't have people. Um, so how hard was that for you to kind of, look at your equity and know what had to be cut off.
0: Yeah. Well, and and for me too, I naturally have a lot of equity compared to the average person. Yeah. (laughs) I am very extroverted. I am a high dopamine output person. I'm on like the top of a roller coaster, like all the time. And most of the time I can be there for everybody. I can be a lot for everybody. I can manage a lot. A company and a family and the marriage problems and shit with school and social problems and helping friends move and driving to the airport and being there for my family. And I can fucking do all of it most of the time. But for me, you know, that roller coaster eventually heads over that dip and you, cra- and you, you plummet. And so that's partially what I've had to face a lot is that if I spread myself too thin, even though I think I can handle it. And it does bring me a lot of fulfillment knowing that I'm this big person that can do a lot of these things. If I push that limit too much, I will crash and burn. And when I crash and burn, it's like a complete reset of my psyche of my brain. It's like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, this demon version of me, this shadow version of me gets let out of the box and I become a nightmare until literally, I mean, literally until I crash and burn and collapse and have to sleep it off. And then it's like my brain resets and then I'm born anew again. And there's a blessing and a curse to having sort of a system like that. In that I'm always progressive. I'm always driven. I'm always seeking new experiences, seeking ways to connect with people, to help situations, to solve problems. I'm constantly doing that. But on the flip side, I I don't allow myself enough time to, you know, sort of reset before the crash. Uh, and I'm also never content with anything because I'm always chasing the next thing that's in front of me. And so it's been very difficult for me to always be like, you know what? Things are good in this moment. Let's enjoy this moment because this moment only lasts right now. And the next moment's not guaranteed And the past ones are gone. And so being present, uh, has been something that I've had to slowly learn over time. Definitely having children has helped a lot with that where it's like, you know, yes, I could grind out another night of working and getting some extra shit done, or I could say, fuck this, and I could go sit on the couch with the kids and snuggle and watch a movie and let the work emails go for a couple days and say, who fucking cares? And I've, as I've got older, I've I've allowed myself to do more of those things, which have inherently caused me to have less of those, like, crash and burn days because I'm not just overexerting so much.
1: Do you think now this is where and i've had, and i've had this discussion actually on my last podcast with someone um with another one of my friends do you think that's kind of like the male construct though of needing to be like that stable base for everyone um and having and, like that's why you kind of oh, yeah. you oh, kind of yeah. like to stay at that high because that's where we feel like we have purpose right is when we're creating yes, that, we're is, a big, that is a big that is
0: a big word that you just said uh that is a big word the purpose the You know, like, what's the point? What what am I doing? And especially for men, whether it's ingrained in us, you know, genetically or it's part of society or it's a little bit of both. Like uh, Dave Chappelle has has a joke from years ago and he talks about. It's Chappelle or Chris Rock. I can't remember. It might be Chris Rock. And he basically says, you know, unconditional love. He's like, you know, you can love women and dogs and children unconditionally men are only loved for what they provide women and children first on the ship men provide safety men provide the backbone they're the first ones on the front line they're the last ones out in an emergency situation and that's how society has been built because that's partially who we are as people you know genetically that's who we are i mean that's that's how things kind of work in nature a lot of times um but having so much of that pressure to not be on top and be so strong all the time affects most guys. And I think embracing the challenges that come, but also having a sense of community that men can fall back on, especially groups of men, I think is hugely important. Uh, but also in the context of relationships, you know, I know I know some guys that are incredible, incredible men, and. You know, like One of my friends in particular actually is going through a, a divorce right now, and his, his you know, soon-to-be ex-wife, he's an incredible guy. And he was so much for her and so strong for her and helped her heal. And now that she's healed, she feels like she's better than her current life, and she's, she's bouncing. And it, it is harming him. And so when they have these discussions and he actually becomes emotional and voices some of his stuff, she can't handle it because he is, in those moments, he's not strong. Now, I'm not saying he's not weak, but he's, he's vulnerable. And vulnerability should be viewed as a strength, not as a weakness. You know, men breaking down, men crying, men having emotions, men needing a reset, like those are not weaknesses. Those are vulnerabilities that should be embraced because it allows us to come back and be even stronger the next time around. And, and voicing that and having that, that, you know, be on the forefront of these sorts of conversations, I think is really important.
1: Do you think men need vulnerability more around men or men need more vulnerability around women then?
0: So I think, I think both, but I think it's a little bit context dependent, uh, you know, yeah. depending on which authors you read or which, uh, podcast guys you watch <laughs> there is a big movement of some of these guys that i like a lot of their content, but some of it's like, you know, if you're going to break down, break down in front of your homies, not in front of your, your girl. Uh, Because as soon as you break down in front of your girl, she's going to lose respect. And, you know, there might be some studies showing that if you do that, you know, women become less sexually attracted to you. It's this evolutionary thing. I think that that depends on the severity of the breakdowns and the frequency. If you're a dude, and and I I can't remember the exact, uh, you know what, It it was a podcast about Chris Bumstead. And he talked about how he collapsed in his girlfriend's arms in the bathroom and just sobbed and just lost it. Yep. And all these people were like, bro, she's not going to respect you. She's not going to this. She's not going to this. And the thing is like, if he did that every fucking day and never stepped up to the plate and never got his shit done, of course, she's going to lose respect for him because he needs help, but he did that. And she gave him the space to do that. And then he came back and was like, champion, 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 successful business, successful business, his face is everywhere. And he needed that, that foundation foundation. To be able to, you know, fall back on to release that. Uh, I think that's crucial in a relationship. And I think that people that say these sorts of things are, are condemning guys to to not having a as tight of a bond with their partner as they could have. You know, I have certainly gone to the you know the brinks of, of hell and back with ways that I have collapsed in front of Dedra and acted and felt horrible about these things. But you know what I've done, I've got my shit together and I've, and I've leveled up every single time after the fact. And I, I couldn't have gotten better had I not have had those moments to allow myself to reset a little bit. And she respects me more than anybody because I have leveled up after the fact. And that's huge. Uh, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely important for guys to be able to go to other guys with that. But I, I think it goes both ways a little bit, you know, there's, I guess it just kind of depends on, on why they're having those moments, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. And I think also like, as you, I think it depends who you're really close with too, as well, like how close you are with people. Like if you're more like, for me, I have like my two old, like, my siblings are sisters, right? So my two oldest are sisters, so I naturally gravitate or I'm from a more female dominated family where all the grandchildren are female except for me, right? So wow. it's like, so it's just like, I gravitate towards more opening up to that side because that's just how yeah. I was raised.
0: I'm way. I'm actually, uh, my brother and I are the only boy grandchildren in my mom's side and there's like 15 of us. So I was, I've always been very comfortable opening up to women. I mean, to, to both, but especially women, I've been very comfortable because I know that I'm not going to just like turn into a sappy mess and then not be able to level up after the fact. Uh, Yeah. But from a guy perspective, I, I have been fortunate that over the many phases in my life, I have been able to identify and maintain relationships with really great men that in those moments I was able to be what I needed to be.
1: And they were able to hold space for that. How do people find a really good group of people? How do people find really good group like a friends to really trust?
0: Isn't that, isn't that the question? Uh, for me, it, it comes down to authenticity of self where I've always said, if you, if you present yourself to a person and you put all your, all your cards out, you play all your cards, they, they see everything either they're game to play or they're not. And if they're not, then that is a person that you can't go there with. And and you know what I mean? Like go there, you can not go all the way there. At some point, somebody's going to get uncomfortable with where you're going and they can't join you. And that's okay. So you have to figure out which people you can continually go deeper and deeper with. And as you go deeper and deeper into these, these harder moments uh, and and, you know, these more intense discussion topics, fewer people are going to be able to do that. You know, it's like, you know you have your 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 super tight circle you have your, your circle that you can go to for these things these ones are kind of like your fun ones these are your acquaintance ones um but none of that can exist if you are fronting or faking it and it goes back to what i was saying at the beginning about like living this fake you know this inauthentic self trying to fit in trying to do these things it's like be exactly who you are and be the person that you want to be for other people you know it's it's mm-hmm. like the the, the golden rule shit, as, as cheesy as it is, it's like I'm going to be the friend that I f- would hope that they would want to be back to me. I'm going to be that to this person, and if they are receptive to that, then we have that bond. And if they are not, then I need to start to allocate my equity elsewhere,
1: or Isn't at least put,
0: in, put them in a different ring. You know what I mean? If you got circles of groups, you know, if I'm pouring into this person and they're unable to handle it or to or to pour back, like they get put in, you know, they get yeah. put in the acquaintance circle. It's like, it's
1: like, there's kind of like a quote that I keep remembering reading. And it's been one I've read over the last like few months. It's like something where like, what, what we heal in others is like what we needed ourselves, like when we were, when we were growing up Absolutely. or what we needed. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and I think it really does. Like when you get down to it and as I've started to level up with, with the many people around here, and it's just been like, you're able to take those deep conversations, right? And yeah. you're, and that's like, that's been the hardest part to come to terms with. And it's the hardest part to come to terms with like people in my past life, like even with like, and I'll open up here about this because I don't care. Um, even open up with like my family, right? Like I've started to kind of become a little bit more distant with my family and it's because I've never been able to take it to that depth. But I think a lot of times coming, getting to that depth and, and I'm pretty sure you probably agree with this is, you kind of have to accept what happened in your past or you have to come to terms with what happened in your past and be able to kind of let that go because i so, feel like if yeah. you kind of hold that if you hold your past back you're not allowing people to see how you came to be and that doesn't and that's how you became you who you are now that's a, that's
0: a huge point i mean part of the reason that i have the community of people that i have and all the circles that i have is that i can very comfortably discuss all the shit that I have experienced in my entire life and explained why I am who I am. I had to explain to my dad years ago why we decided to go on a reality TV show, you know, about couples with open marriages. And he was very upset and couldn't understand. And I said, here's what's going to happen, dad, I'm going to talk and you're just going to shut up and listen. And I'm just going to tell you everything. And I started from a kid and how I felt at school and I, my suicide attempts and, medication and counseling and being put in clinics and then this and this and this and and all these decisions that led to who I am today where he might not agree that those are things that fit into his world at least he understands how I came to be in these situations and it's because I can very directly and comfortably talk about these things without having it be this like visceral emotional reaction where you know I'm over that trauma that trauma absolutely formed all the best parts of me and some of the worst parts, but all the best parts of me and who I am today. And Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable identifying those things and discussing those with people and be like, you know, I've had people say, wow, you're so easy to talk to and you're, you know, you just bring out so much. I just want to be myself, you know, around you. Where do you think that comes from? And I said, I know exactly where that comes from. It comes from this because as a kid, I felt like I couldn't be myself. And so now I try to pull that out of other people and this and this and this. And they go, huh, that makes a lot of sense. I said, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mine, mine is the same. It's like, why do you try to always like encourage people and t- allow them to open up and allow them to do these things? And I'm like, because I never had that, <laughs> it like, because I've always tried to fill other people's cups up, even as like a kid. Like that was, that was my thing. Like whenever, even when I was being like severely bullied as a kid, I'd always be like, okay, well I'm still going to go to school and hope I put someone, put a smile on someone's face, like no matter how I feel. Right. And so I think that definitely helps a lot. And I. I kind of wanted to ask about it. And now that you brought it up, I feel like it's good. How, how has being more open about, I guess, like the style of your marriage um, or the way that you guys handle your relationship really kind of developed you too, especially with, um, and kind of the impact it does too with having like kids and everything like that. um, And the societal, the societal views that people kind of give you, especially now that you have kids.
0: Yeah, so I mean, we've been we've been non-monogamous for uh, twelve years now. Yeah, uh, for reference, uh, we've been together almost twenty-three. So it's not like it's not like we got together and started fucking other people like right out of the gate. <laughs> uh, and you know, we've we've had ebbs and flows, and we've been in and out of it, and and run the whole gamut of all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's always been this taboo thing. And at first, it wasn't something that we were terribly open about. And then, you know, it felt like we were living inauthentic lives with our our friends and our siblings and you know we eventually just like Fine, I'm just gonna fucking tell them and and we lost a few friends over that for sure and I'm thankful for that because those are people that I I'm glad I found out you know eight years ago or, or whatever whenever we told them I'm glad that, that they removed themselves from my life then and I didn't waste eight more years of pouring into this person who ultimately can't be there for me and it's not that they are bad people they just don't align with it and that's okay that's totally okay but go go misalign somewhere else because i'm trying to align right here um and again I- embracing that more where everybody who knows us has known about this for a long time mm-hmm. we were on a tv show that aired all over the world we had to tell our parents and our grandparents and every everybody fucking knows These days, especially in, you know, our friends back home and our families, like nobody talks about it. Nobody asks questions and I don't expect them to. Uh, we're also not like, you know, going out with people all the time. We have a lot of regular (laughs) life. We're still a very normal couple most of the time. And we have kids and we have business and we have all this regular shit. Right. But, uh, for us, it's, it's just added another level of that authenticity and that ability to be vulnerable with people and to be, you know, seen as somebody that's genuine. And and when I talked about, you know, playing all your cards, I mean all your cards and including the bad ones, including all the fuck ups. You know, I have talked very publicly about times in the non-monogamy journey when I almost ruined our fucking life Uh, and, you know, (laughs) totally fucked everything up. And I, and I'm very transparent about that. And people need to hear about that kind of stuff. If they have questions about this sort of thing, because they need to know what the potential consequences are, you know, the risks involved, but they can also understand like why we are so tight now They, you know, you can only understand that after learning about the whole process of how we've gotten to this point. So being transparent about these things for me has, has been very cathartic in that the more that I have been able to share, the more I feel that I'm helping other people, maybe not, enter into that world, but at least be comfortable being themselves and at least be comfortable accepting other people for being themselves. And I think that the more that, uh, that people have that sort of mindset, I think it's going to like, you know, spread, I think it's going to, you know, go viral and more it, which it sort of has, you know, in the last 12 years, we've noticed a major, major shift across society, whether it's TV shows or social media or social groups or whatever, where it's like, there are a lot of people a lot that are embracing the idea that traditional monogamy might not be for them and ten years ago it was like you were hiding and nobody knew and it was this dark secret and now there's fucking polyamorous couples on TV shows and you know you swipe through fucking bumble and every fifth profile is a couple looking for a girlfriend or something and there's just their faces and they're you know it's like nobody's hiding anymore which is I think is really great uh, in terms of parenting, when we did the TV show years ago, we did it before we had kids. And, and the parenting thing was a big topic at the time because it was like, what are your kids going to think? And I remember somebody asking that, and I said, I don't know, what do your kids think about your sex life? And they go, <laughs> yeah. what well, about my sex life? And I said, well, mine don't know about mine either. Well, you know, I didn't have mine at the time. I said, mine aren't going to know about mine either. <laughs> and when they're old enough to understand these things, we're going to have these conversations. And at the very least, they're going to know that Dieter and I are so committed to each other and love each other so much that we can navigate something so complex and so risky and still come out on top.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I remember one person years and years ago, they're like, what if, your, what if your kids become like that? What if your kids become, I remember one guy goes, what if you have kids and they become swingers? And I went, great. Then they'll be sexually fulfilled and have a great, uh, great communication with their partner, and you know they won't have to hide and they won't have to cheat. And I said, I, I hope that they find the ability to be themselves on such a, a full level like I have, and be fulfilled on such a level that I have. Why would I? Why would I hope against that?
1: <laughs> yeah, I I think a lot of people see, and I mean you've helped a lot of people. Like even like looking at your your Instagram, right? Even if it's like an anonymous thing. Like you see the people that are like – that like reach out to you and I'm like kind of like, oh. I'm like sometimes sometimes you can take it back by what some of these people say on those anonymous messages. Cool. Yeah. But you're like – but but I bet it takes a lot of courage even just to put that out there, even just anonymously for like someone to like say that. Like as much as it is anonymous, I think it's you still –
0: You should see some of the DMs I get as a result of those posts. It <laughs> – Shit runs deep. It runs deep.
1: I feel like I feel like it'd just be like entertainment, like twenty four seven on that on your on your DMs. To it's either out.
0: entertainment or it's uh, frustration occasionally, but for the most part, we don't get any like really negative, you know, uh, actions from anybody. Back in the day, we used to have a lot of negativity, a lot. And these days, like I just don't. have to, <laughs> Maybe I'm just so tuned in to this bubble that I've created. A large bubble, but a bubble that I've created with incredible people, an incredible network of of friends, family, acquaintances, business connects, you know, the way that I operate in the industry. Like, I am completely tuned out to any anything negative. Uh, I've actually had hard conversations with people. Uh, I won't detail who the people are, but I've had people in the past where, you know, they made some very, very, very insensitive comments about our life uh, in, in a way that was meant to harm me. And I remember telling one person, I said, I'm going to make this very clear. You'll never say anything like this to me ever again. Ever. You won't act like this in front of my children. You can think what you want. You can gossip to whoever you want. I literally don't care. If I come into your space and you bring this energy to me ever again, I will remove myself from your life permanently. Forever. And you'll never see me. And you'll never see my kids. And this person said... Is that a threat? And I said, it's a promise. And they haven't because I will not tolerate, I will not tolerate it.
1: Do you think it helps having a good group of people around you that share very similar views in terms of, in terms of like society and the way that it goes? Like, cool. yeah. I, mean, of course it
0: does. And I mean, at the very least we have people that are accepting of us yep. and We're not flaunting it and we're not doing this in front of other people. We're not trying to force it upon anybody. That's never, it's not this cultish sort of like thing. Again, it's 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 more
1: of a thing where if people actually met you, it'd be very different than what, than what you even put out on social media. (laughs) I I know. I mean, it's to see us in person.
0: I mean, we could have 30 people at our house and nobody would have a clue that I've probably slept with 10 of them at some point point. nobody would have a clue because that's not the point and and some of them are you know that was 10 years ago and that's how i met them and now we're best friends and we don't do that anymore like nobody would have a clue and that's the point is that it's just i, I want to be able to bring people into my life and navigate these sorts of things and intermingle groups of people it, it, and, and i don't want to make the comparison to uh, to to make my my situation seem more self-important or to downplay their situation. But I mean, like, you know, every, it seems to me like most people these days are very accepting of like gay and lesbian people in society. Gay and lesbian couples being in society, you know, all sorts of things. Yes, you get the, the, the bigots who are, you know, spouting off bullshit on social media about a commercial or about some magazine ad or something. But overwhelmingly, if you're actually out in society, like nobody gives a fuck. Nobody literally cares. Everybody's accepting. And to me, it's like, I I want it to be that same sort of situation where it's like, however I choose to live my life, if it doesn't harm yours and we bring good energy into these situations, like we should all just be accepting of everybody else's shit. As soon as your behaviors start negatively affecting mine, then we can have this discussion about where our paths are going to go. But like how you like to love people and how you like to fuck people and, and all that, like that is the last thing that should matter to anybody (laughs) besides the person doing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even if we, I mean, we kind of take it back to even last year, like at your reval ceremony, right? Like there were a whole bunch of different people in different industries kind of just coming together yeah. and we're all just like, they're all kind of very just related to you and very related to you and Deidre and the family. And it's just like, everyone was close, right? There was no like negative energy whatsoever because it was all just people that were, that, yeah, you, had wanted it, they
0: had that you wanted there and
1: that you wanted yeah and and that's that's the
0: same thing it's like when when i say that we created a bubble i meant it like we we always tell people when they come into our house i'm like when you're in the house there are no the only we have two rules don't let the cats out of the house and don't eat or drink the last item of something without checking just in just in case right but like, don't, take
1: the, don't take the last scoop of protein just don't take you the know last what? Like,
0: don't, don't eat the last fucking, uh you know girl scout cookie out of the box because deidre's been saving that for six months and she promises she's gonna eat it someday that's how she works she doesn't <laughs> need something for, well. but uh but but other than that like if i if i didn't trust you to be in my home to treat my home with respect possibly with my children in this home then I wouldn't have invited you in. You would have been you, in the front door. If you're in the front door, you're in, you're in yeah. at a hundred percent or you're not. And if you are in at a hundred percent and you do something stupid, we get to have a conversation and you you get to get better. And if you don't, you lose privileges to this community that I built. Yep. And at least at least access through me, find your own way somewhere else. <laughs> but like, you're not coming back in here, but period
1: exactly. Uh, so very
0: firmer, and again, maybe it's the old man and me, you know, 30 year old me would have certainly not acted like that. But 40 year old me has no patience for nonsense whatsoever in any capacity.
1: Yeah. So I have one last I have two questions. Uh, first one, I get from the guest previous. So every single guest leaves a question for the next one to ask. And it is, what is one thing that you used to think was true? That has changed for you over time perhaps the most prominent thing or the most recent change
0: oh man that's a heavy question what's something i used to think was true and i no longer think is true that's a good one. Uh, here, uh, here's a good one Talk about uh, you know being naive as you're young i used to think that authority figures in any situation had all the information had all the answers and had your best interest at heart because that's what you're taught to believe And now I understand that those people were human and fallible and attainable and possibly could have been terrible people. And I, at the time I would have had no idea. And so I've, as I've gotten older, you know, when I talk about there being no rules, it's like who made up the rules? This leader, why did, why did they make the rules? Where did they get them from? what self-serving interest did they make these rules for? How did they trick these people to convince them to let them do the rules? So it's like, I've definitely thought a lot more in the past that, uh, people in powerful positions could be fully trusted. And now I do not think that at all. (laughs) I think quite the opposite in fact. And, and I'm not even saying that people are evil or malicious. There absolutely are some fucking evil people out there, but inherent in being a human and being a fallible human and inherent in, you know, gaining power, whether through, uh, self-motivated means or by, by circumstance. And they're just thrust into these power positions, uh, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. And as people get put into those positions, the likelihood that they're able to make a decision that harms somebody below them is to, I have found to be much higher than people realize when they're in those those entry-level below positions. Awesome. That's a good one. Like, I don't, good one. I, don't trust, I don't trust the teachers at my kid's school. I don't trust the fucking government officials doing shit. I don't trust the cop who just got out of cop school after six months and he's 24. I don't trust the kid that came back from war who's 20 and has severe PTSD. I don't trust anybody just because you have some position or some title at all. Let's, let's look into these situations a little deep, more deeply and find out what the potential truth of the situation is. And then I will make an informed decision for myself. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, the last question is, as you know, the noble pursuit is the, the journey to becoming the best version of yourself. What is one thing people can do to become the best version of themselves?
0: Get out of their own fucking way. I think most people think that life holds them back, whether it's a person or a job or a geographic location, I think most people hold themselves back because they settle for mediocrity and they lie to themselves and they convince themselves that they'll get to it this time or they'll handle it in the future. And it's, it's easy to take one baby step at a time on the wrong path and ignore it until you're about 20 years into that path and go, how the fuck did I end up in this career that I hate? How the fuck did I end up in this marriage that I hate? How did I end up with all these loser friends? Why am I such a loser? How did all this shit happen to me? It's because you lied to yourself the entire time and something in you knew that this was the wrong path and it was just easier at the time and you just fucking did it. Uh, So I'd say get out of your own fucking way for sure.
1: Awesome. And then the easiest question that you'll answer probably all day. I mean, you're pretty open anyway, and you're pretty easy. So, um, where can people find you Instagram, anything you kind of want to shout out your time to go, uh,
0: Instagram morphogen underscore Ben, uh, my old Instagram account morphogenben, Ben got locked out two years ago <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> I might still try to get it back. I have some channels that
1: might be able to do it. Uh, oh, we've, we've of, been hearing that. We've been hearing that for literally two well, years now.
0: I uh, <laughs> Well, now, now Instagram has the functionality that I can at least post to it via my other account, but I can't access DMs and I can't edit anything. It's hilarious.
1: Um, Your DMs would be flooded if you came back to that one.
0: My old account, I was getting hundreds of DMs a day and then it just stopped. And then I wasn't able to communicate with anybody. <laughs> At all. And I can't imagine the consequence of uh, business losses, at, you know, customers who thought that I was being a prick or that I fucking killed myself. Or, I can't even imagine how bad that affected things. It's almost, it almost makes me laugh to think that how much further ahead we could have been. You know, that was two and a half years ago or however long yeah. it was. Like. I can't even, and I had to start over from scratch on social media and I'm not even remotely close to where I was back then. And I'm like, I can't even imagine how fucked that, that did, you know, made things for us. Um, so morphogen underscore Ben, uh, our websites, mntakeover.com or morphogennutrition.com. They both direct to the same site. Uh, if you go to the site, there's a under this uh support page there's a contact button it goes right to our support email and so any questions directed about product or about uh, business inquiries or any of that shit go there and then those will get filtered out to me. Um yeah that's those
1: are pretty much the easiest ways. Cool. Awesome. Uh if you guys did enjoy this episode, per usual go subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and YouTube. Um if you guys did enjoy what Ben and I had to say uh, go and share this on your Instagram story. Tag Ben and I that you guys are listening. We really do appreciate it a ton. Um, as, as also, podcast is brought to you by Morphogen Nutrition. You guys can use code SPEDA at com for 10% off. I've been with Ben <laughs> yeah. now for, I think, just, just about over three years now. Um, yeah. So it's been quite a long time. Uh, I got to get back down to Columbus to go see him again, uh, hopefully it's soon. Fun, yeah. um, so... Other than that, guys, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Noble Pursuit Podcast, and you guys just took one more step forward to becoming the best version of yourself possible. Love it.